Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back. I hope you all had a beautiful Sunday. I hope you're enjoying your Monday. Thank you for tuning in. I want to let you guys know I am releasing a podcast every week, Monday. So you can definitely put that on your calendar, put it on your radar. I will uh, have that out for you guys every Monday. So hello, Miss Robinson podcast. Here we are. Jasmine Robinson here. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening and tuning in. Today, I want to talk about restoration and just two types and shadows that are in the Bible and how Jesus really, he just does it all. I mean, he's amazing. He's incredible. I love the word. I love that it's spirit um, inspired. It's literally perfect. It's it's incredible. I love the Bible. It's an amazing book. It's not just, you know, pages and, you know, uh, ink on a paper. It is life-giving. It's amazing. So let's jump into it. John 18, verse 15. Really, read that. Peter and another disciple followed along behind them as they took Jesus into the courtyard of Anna's palace. Since the other disciple was well known to the high priest, he entered in, but Peter was left standing outside by the gate. Then the other disciple came back out to the servant girl who was guarding the gate and convinced her to allow Peter inside. As he passed inside, the young servant girl guarding the gate took a look at Peter and said to him, Aren't you one of his disciples? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. Now because it was cold, the soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire and were standing around it to keep warm, so Peter huddled there with them kind of fast forward here to verse if I can turn the page wow (laughs) sorry guys to verse 25 meanwhile Peter was still standing in the courtyard by the fire and one of the guards standing there said to him aren't you one of his disciples I know you are Peter swore and said I am not his disciple but one of the servants of the high priest, a relative to the man whose er, whose ear Peter had cut off, looked at him and said, Wait, didn't I see you out there in the garden with Jesus? Then Peter denied it the third time and said no. And at the very same moment, a rooster crowed nearby. So we're all familiar with that passage. Peter denying Christ, Jesus prophesied it and said Peter you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times and Peter was like no never Lord like how could I ever do that absolutely not and then he did and I just want to kind of preface here the just intense and merciful love of the father through Jesus, because Jesus already knew it was going to happen before it happened, and Peter obviously was like, never. How dare, you know, how could I ever do that? How dare I, <laughs> if you will. And then it, he, he did it. He, he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed twice. 
And so this is, I was actually, I forget where I was flying to, but I was just reading the Bible and just kind of, you know, killing time during the flight. And the Holy Spirit gave me such revelation on the restoring power of Jesus and how it's so clear and how he showed it so clear in John. So that was John, um, excuse me, that was John 18. And if you fast forward to after Jesus dies, was buried, then was resurrected, came to the disciples and they didn't recognize him. And then he showed himself and revealed himself to them. So then he came and he approached them while they were fishing. So he came onto the shore as they were fishing. This is in verse 21, Jesus appearing at Lake Galilee. And I could just kept reading, okay, you know, he's like, hey, did you catch anything? And they're like, no, not a thing. And they didn't even know it was Jesus. And then basically, after they had had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have a great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Peter, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices, and you went where you were pleased. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go, and you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die, for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. Then Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved were following them. This was the disciple who sat close to Jesus at the Last Supper and had asked him, Lord, who is it the one that will betray, betray you? So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, what's going to happen to him? Jesus replied, if I decide to let him live and I return until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must still keep on following me. So I was reading this in the plane and I was like, man, why did he ask Peter three times? Because I was like, interesting I, I never really had thought about it I never really sat and asked Holy Spirit why that had happened and I asked the Holy Spirit and he basically was like it was it was to restore and to redeem the three times when he denied Jesus Jesus was so merciful and gave him that chance to restore back Peter to not denying him but accepting him and saying yes I'm gonna follow you I'm gonna feed your sheep and I have burning intense love for you and I thought it was such an interesting fact that Jesus came to the discouraged he came to the disbelieving and he came to the disqualified he came to the people that were defeated and he lifted them up he rose again he came to Thomas who was doubtful and said is it really Jesus and he said yes touch my side put your hands through my hands he came to the disbelieving he was merciful to come to them. And finally, he came to the people that were disqualified. Peter was disqualified. In the natural, 
He denied Jesus three times. He fulfilled what Jesus had said to him, and he did it. Even though he was like, never, I could never deny you. He did it. But yet Jesus was so merciful and so forgiving and so loving. He came to Peter after he rose again and gave him an opportunity to, in a sense, redeem back his, I guess you could say, leadership. I mean, Jesus was the one who spoke to Simon Peter, you know, on this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and changed his name. And so he gave Peter the opportunity to vocalize, express, and confirm that, yes, I love you, Jesus. Yes, I will feed your sheep. Yes, I will follow you. He came to the people that were disqualified and he restored them back to the original intention of who and how they were created to be. And that's just what I wanted to talk about today. It's such a beautiful, I guess you could say type and shadow of how Jesus operates. The whole Bible is truly the Old Testament to New Testament, what we learned in Bible school. The Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. And obviously the New Testament is a better covenant with better promises based on a better truth. And you know, the Old Testament was based on works. The New Testament is based on grace. And so I just thought it was cool reading that. I was like, oh my gosh, why had I never realized that? But it's another illustration of redemption. Peter denying Jesus three times, but then Jesus giving him the opportunity to accept and realign himself back to the truth. And I don't care who you are listening to this. I don't care what has happened in your life, where you are in your life. I want to encourage you that Jesus is not throwing you away. He's not giving up on you. He, if anything, is giving you another chance to come back to him and say, I need you. I want you. I want the truth. He's merciful. He's so full of grace. And... All of these things were recorded so that we might believe. I love that it says that in John toward the end. That all of these stories, all of these circumstances and situations and things that Jesus did on the earth when he was here were recorded so that we can believe. The Bible says, blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. That's us. We're just reading it. Jesus isn't walking beside me every day in the natural physical realm to where I'm like, hey, how you doing? Let's go get breakfast. Hey, let's take some time. Let's have a Bible. Like, we are in that time where we do not see, but we believe. And therefore, we see. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith first. And when we walk by faith, that's when things manifest and come into the natural. That's when we pull things from the supernatural in the spiritual realm into our natural realm. But I just think it's so amazing that, you know, it's just it's just a beautiful picture. It's it's the simple, true, good gospel that Jesus has come to redeem you and restore you and give you another chance and bring you back to life and resurrect the things that you've put to bed resurrect the things that you've killed almost and really show you what life is meant to be with him another thing i wanted to point out in john chapter 20 verse 22 
I'll back it up to verse 19, actually. That evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. And he told them, Just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. When Jesus breathed, and blew on them. It's a beautiful type and shadow of how God breathed into Adam after he had formed him from the dust of the earth to receive the life-giving spirit of God. It shows the redemption of the coming back together and restoration of how he created us. Last week, we talked about how God formed us in his image and made us into their likeness he said let us make them into our likeness in our image and then he breathed into the clay and adam came to be the life of god was breathed into adam yet we fell away we were disconnected we spiritually died and then jesus comes you know all this time later lives on the earth, walks with the disciples, does miracles, brings truth, teaches the people, gives his life for us, was buried, resurrected, came back to the disciples, and blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, I was like, OMG. I was like, this is so crazy. Like, It's so beautiful how it all fits together like a puzzle piece. Like whenever you're doing a puzzle, like a 500-piece puzzle during winter, it's Christmas time, it's cozy, it's relaxing, it's therapeutic. You're sitting there, you're putting the pieces together. Every time you put a puzzle piece in, it's like, ah, it just gives you that like, that feeling. It feels so good. So when you read the word and it starts to come together in such a way that is just, it's that same like, accomplishment that that feeling that comes when you you know you accomplish something that feeling that comes when you succeed and you finish something that's how it feels it's amazing it's so cool to see how everything is intertwined in the word of God and everything is so beautifully spoken and every word in the Bible isn't just there it has purpose and so I was reading that and it just stood out to me that wow How incredible is this? After Jesus rose from the dead, he then breathed on the disciples. They received oneness with the Father through the Holy Spirit. They received back that intimacy that had been lost through Jesus by restoring the life and the breath that came from his mouth. And I just think that it's cool that John recorded that because it's so significant. When God breathed into Adam when he created him, it was not only his life and, and it was his source of life, but it was symbolic of what was in God is now in me. We are now one. 
we have been joined together into the image of the Father. And that is, I'm telling you guys, if you can understand this, this will rock your world. If you can get anything, last week, I I truly believe the love of God is the pinnacle of everything. Secondly, this, that you have become one with the Father when you receive Christ. When you're born again, you receive the breath of life, the breath of God, that life-giving spirit. When you receive that, you become one with him and it transforms your life. When God looks at Jesus, he sees, well, sorry, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus is the head, the cornerstone of the body, and we are the body. So therefore, when true righteousness is when God sees Jesus, he sees us. Because we become one with him, we are in Christ. We are no longer separated and alienated from things that, from darkness, sin, disbelief. No, we've been brought back to that original intention that God had for us. And I think it's one of the most dare I say the greatest miracle I said it I think it's incredible I think bodies being healed miracles happening limbs growing out eyes being opened deaf ears opening any miracle that you've heard of that you think is insane that is the fruit of living from this understanding knowing that when you become one with Christ Jesus doesn't deal with sickness. Jesus doesn't have missing limbs. Jesus doesn't have deformities. Therefore, the body of Christ cannot have those things. So I believe if you can get this, it's going to change your life. So being in Christ is key. You read it, Colossians 3, in John, Ephesians, many, many verses talk about being in Christ. That means being in Christ revelation understanding that we're one with jesus we're one with him we're the body and you live there and you stay there and you don't leave that place a lot of times people deal with sickness offense poverty certain things in their life because they take themselves out of being in christ they remove themselves and put them in the way of those things and the only person that can do that guess who you It's not like the devil's coming, just pulling people out of Christ just because he, you know, has a lotto number for your, with your name on it. No, (laughs) you put yourself in that position. You take yourself out of Christ and put yourself in the way of death and poverty and, 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 you know, just unfortunate events. You do that by your mouth, what you're speaking, what you're believing, and that's something that we need to uh, kick ourselves in the butt. We can't let us we can't let ourselves go to those places. We can't let ourselves downward spiral in that train of thought that takes us out of Christ and puts us in fear and puts us in the way of the enemy. We can't do that. He's powerless. He is the only person who has who really has the powers yourself. And if you're going to intentionally Take yourself out of the place of being one with Christ and put yourself back into the cursed, dark place that you were once in. That's really what it is. When you're experiencing those hard things in your life, it's because you've put yourself 
you you've kind of found yourself and gotten yourself there by what you're believing, what you're speaking, what you're meditating on, what you're thinking about. And so I encourage you guys keep the word in your in your mouth, keep the word in your eyes. Even if it's a scripture day, you know, pray from this point of Father, may I walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing you in everything I do. Pray that the fruit that you produce will be rich and that it will mature and and come from rich experience of knowing him, the Father. Pray that you will be energized through his power and filled with magnificent hope. Be thankful Because when you're thankful, you're then flooded with joy that God floods you, makes you one with him and worthy to receive his inheritance by living in the light. He has translated you out of darkness. He has put you and brought you into the glorious kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. So I want you guys to pray from that place. Meditate on those scriptures. Realize that Jesus is perfect. And he wants you to become perfect and mature sons. And that comes by knowing him more and more. And so these beautiful type and shadows of how Jesus restored and redeemed and brought us back to that intention that he created us for is some of the most monumental things that you can know. So I hope this encouraged you. I just wanted to jump on and share my thoughts, share my notes. And um, please reach out to me if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never been born again, if you've maybe once received him, you've fallen away, you feel disconnected, if things in your life have really separated you from knowing him, reach out to me. If you're listening to this and you just need prayer, please message me on Instagram, message me on Facebook, reach out to me any way you can. And I would love, love, love to pray with you. So thank you guys for tuning in on this beautiful Monday. I hope you all have an incredible week and we'll be in touch. Love you so much. Talk soon.